Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 45 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Juanita. Juanita is from Centerville, Utah, where she is a domestic engineer. She is a wife, a mother to six and a grandmother to 18 grandchildren. Welcome, Juanita. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm really glad to talk to you today. 18 grandchildren. I know that is exciting. How old are they? They range from 18 months to 17 years. Wow. Okay. Some of them are grown up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, only a couple of them grown up, but most of mine are little ones, but... Oh, well, that's fun. I bet the holidays are just amazing with all those little ones around. They're kind of (laughs) crazy. I bet they are. So I'd like to start off by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting? Tell us about that. Well, 
my daughter actually brought me to intermittent fasting, but I'd been kind of all the health issues and stuff. I, you know, as I'm aging, I'm 64 years old. So I was getting to the point in life where I thought, well, you know what, you're just getting old. You're getting all the diseases, all the ailments, and this is the way life is. Matter of fact, I had a sister-in-law who told me that, well, you know, we're grandparents now. We are entitled to be fat and have gray hair. And I thought, oh, okay. I had a sister. I'm number seven of 11 children. Wow. Uh, my oldest sister became very obese uh, to the point that all she could do was ride around in a jazzy chair. She couldn't even get around by herself. And she eventually, her heart muscle just got so weak that she eventually had a heart attack and passed away. I know that was really hard to watch, wasn't it? It's hard to watch her suffer with that. Well, yeah. And you know, if you, you try to go take her anywhere and it was just so hard to try and do that with just her, you know, her and I, it was really difficult to get her anywhere. And then I my second oldest sister is also very obese and she has had knee issues for so many years that she became dependent on a scooter and a wheelchair. And now she did go get a knee replacement a year or so ago, but they go camping with us a lot. And I just watch her and she has to use a walker and she uses two canes and it's hard to get in and out of the RVs. And I had a younger sister that was obese that did the lap band surgery and decided that was what she was going to do. And she lost quite a bit of weight, but who can eat a little quarter cup of food? And it's just, she just got tired of it and she's put most of her weight back on. And as I sit and watch my family members and think, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to have to be dependent on somebody. I don't want to have to have somebody taking care of me and doing all that. And I've had, since like 2007, I had a total hysterectomy, including my ovaries. I've had osteoarthritis all these years. I've got degenerative disc disease in my back and scoliosis. And I tore the meniscus in both my knees and eventually they had to be replaced. And then I had a hip replacement a couple of years ago that failed and I had to have that redone. And I have issues with my feet so bad. I went to the doctor and he'd just say, well, let's, you know, give you this and we'll give you this drug and we'll give you that one. And then it was hypothyroidism they found out and high cholesterol and high blood pressure. Then I was diagnosed with diabetes and sleep apnea. And I'm like, ah, my life is going down the tube. I mean, it's like everything. It's like all the different diagnoses of the world and you had them all, didn't you? Well, I felt like it. <laughs> I mean, you know, but it's less, I'm writing them down. I write down as we go. And I was like, gosh, that's a lot to write down. That is a lot to write down. And I think my aha moment came when my younger sister looked at me and she said, you're looking more and more like my oldest sister all the time. Aww. And I thought in my mind, because I'm getting heavier, because I walked with a limp and everything, or was it because are just our facial features? And then I watched the sister who's not much older than me struggle. And I thought, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to have to buy a bigger pill container to carry all my you know, supplements and pills in every day and taking drugs all day long. And I was talking to my youngest daughter one day and she said, you know, mom, you ought to try this intermittent fasting. And I'd never heard of this. 
I had never heard of this. And I said, well, what in the world are you talking about? She said, well, I met a friend of mine. I haven't seen her for a year. And she was really, really thin. And I said to her, what are you doing? And she said, intermittent fasting. So my daughter looked into it. She'd been reading the books and doing all that stuff. And she just said, mom, you ought to try this. And I said, you know, I don't like to do things. This is why I haven't dieted all my life. I don't like to do things that are going to restrict me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you had not been a dieter. I had not been a dieter. About five years ago or so, we did a family challenge. It was a fitness challenge. And my son worked up all these things. And me, we were out walking and we were cutting out different foods and, you know, taking supplements and doing all this stuff. And I lost about 20 pounds doing that. But I thought, this is just too restrictive for me. I just can't, can't do this. So I never really did diet. But I knew I was headed in that direction of obesity, and and I that scared me. I mean, it scared me for myself, for my family, and I just I didn't want to live that way. Right. It was kind of a wake up call then, right? Looking at the decline of your oldest sister and how life was hard for her. That was like, aha! I've got to stop this now. Yeah. Were you officially in the obese weight category at that point, or was it just something you saw coming? I was considered obese. Yes. Okay. But I wasn't as big as my other sisters. Right. I was in the obese category. You know, I was 210 pounds, so I know it's hard. Yeah, I started at 215 is where I started. So I I finally said to her, well, let me read one of your books. And she said, well, do you want to read a real science-y one or do you want to read <laughs> a real simple explanation one? And so I said, well, give me the science-y one. So she gave me the obesity code. I knew it. I was guessing. Yep. <laughs> so I got through that. It took me a couple of days and it was like, I understood, but it was really deep. Yes. You know, really, really deep to read that. And I got through it and it made a lot of sense. And, you know, I took metformin for my diabetes and this all made sense. I went back to her and I said, now she says, well, there's a gal that I follow and she's written a book and she says, she refers to all these things you've been reading but she puts this in simple language so that you could understand it. So I said, okay, well, give me that. So then I got Delay, Don't Deny. And that's the book I, I read. And that was the one that went, I think I could do this. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> but then I thought, but would it really work for me? And so then it's the whole, I got to track everything and see because I need to see that it's working. You know what I mean? I do. You get that whole diet mentality. So you're like, is this going to really work? I don't know if it'll work for me. So I started doing it. Well, actually, I read two other books. I read I read the Diabetes Code because I was diabetic. So I wanted to see what that was all about. And then I went on to Feast Without Fear because I thought, well, what do I eat? It's hard to make your mind think. Because being diabetic, you know, they're telling me, okay, you can have this many carbs for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and then you have to have a snack in between with this many carbs. And so I'm trying all day long to eat that way. And my husband would come home and say, what did you eat? Have you had your lunch? Did you have a snack? Did you?" I was driving me crazy. It got to where I didn't want to eat anything. Right. And I really wasn't. And I'd tell him that I was eating when I wasn't. And breakfast just got kind of later and later because I just didn't want to eat. And by dinner time, I'd eaten all this crap all day. So I'm thinking nothing even sounds good. So then we'd go out to fast food. It was a vicious cycle. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he came home for lunch every day. So he'd walk in and say, what's for lunch? I got so tired of that sentence. (laughs) Because I just said to him, I've had breakfast an hour ago. I don't care what you have for lunch. I'm not eating right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was kind of going into this, I think, without even realizing that I was. You were naturally just tired of trying to think about food all day long, right? All day long, all day long. And, you know, diabetes runs in my family. And I thought, oh, I'm going to die of this disease. And you got to do this and that. And I just didn't want to have to do that. So anyway, and I started out and I thought, okay, I can do from 11 in the morning till 7 at night. I can do that. So I was having breakfast later. And and then I'd have dinner with, with my husband. And then it got to where I wasn't hungry for breakfast. So I just kind of keep pushing it back, pushing it back till at three o'clock. I thought, well, I just want a snack. And then we eat dinner about five. So I kind of just in the, in a couple of weeks time, naturally progressed to the one meal a day thing. And that's kind of where I am. Okay. So it just felt right to just push it back pretty early on then. Yeah. You know, I read the posts from people and And I feel so bad because some of them struggle so. And I think, oh, I'm glad that's not me. (laughs) Because I really kind of went into it quite easily. And I feel very fortunate that it happened for me that way. Because I think if I were one of the ones that didn't see any movement on the scale or anything, I would have been one of the ones that went, I'm too old. It's not going to work for me because I'm so old. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if the fact that you had not been a dieter, that actually may have helped you because I think some of the people who struggle a lot have dieted so much that their bodies are just like not another diet. You know, (laughs) I just wonder if that could be part of why it was just an easier transition for you. Your body didn't have to recover as it were from all the, the past dieting. Yeah. Because I've lost weight in inches fairly easily. And I feel fairly quickly, according to, you know, what you say is average. I mean, I'm averaging about two, two and a half pounds a week. That's fabulous. Yes. Yes. Cause I've come down what I've been doing this, what, three and a half months now. And I started at 215 and now I'm one, at 185. Wow. And 20 some inches I've lost. So it's getting to the point where I said to my husband, we are going to have to invest some money in some clothes or something because everything's getting too too big. Caution, don't spend too much. (laughs) That's the trap I fell into. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You have to just kind of go to Goodwill and stuff and get what you... (laughs) Consignment stores also. I just love a good consignment store. You have to be really check a lot of sizes there because... You know, a lot of things are in the consignment stores because they are sized weird. People, (laughs) you just have to be willing to try a lot of things on. Because if they're like me, I take all the tags out of everything because they scratch and they're itchy. So if I donate, then nobody knows what size they are anyway. (laughs) I just have to guess. (laughs) But my husband, about a month after I started, all of a sudden he's starting to do this. He's doing like two meals a day. And I kind of started watching him and I said to him, are you going to do this with me? And he said, well, I'm going to do it. So, cause I figured I could help you. And I said, well, I don't want you to do it because you want to help me. <laughs> yeah. I want you to do this because you want to do it for your own health, you know? And so he's been doing it and he's lost about the same that I have. And, and he really looks silly in his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so here's some directions from Jen. Y'all go get some new clothes. <laughs> it's tough. Maybe he just needs like a really good belt. Yeah, he says, I can't pull this belt anymore and can't put any more holes in it. It'll be all the way around. <laughs> yeah, he needs a new one. You know, my husband has always been lean. He never needed to lose weight. He started intermittent fasting for health benefits, and he does about a two-meal-a-day approach as well. It's funny hearing him in the evening when I'm like, would you like a whatever bite of this? And he'll say, no, my window is closed, and it's just funny because he does it so loosely. But he still has the same clothes, but he's had to have everything taken in. So he, like, found a good tailor who can take in all of his pants because he, even though he wasn't trying to lose weight, he he ended up losing weight. So, And that's the thing that amazes me is that, I'm really not trying. I still have feet issues. I have bone spurs in my feet that I need to get taken care of, but I keep thinking maybe autophagy will just melt them away and they'll be eventually be fine. <laughs> you know, we hear all sorts of things. I know, but so I don't exercise other than just my activities in the daytime. I don't purposely go out and do walks and exercise and stuff because it hurts my feet too much. But Have any of the aches and pains gotten any better? I know you said you have arthritis and degenerative disc disease. Yeah, my back has gotten tons better. My arthritis pain is very minimal. As a matter of fact, the prescriptions I was on, he just, the doctor told me just take them as I need them. Acid reflux has kind of come and gone. It depends on what I eat. Two of my favorite things are chocolate and mint, and those kill me off. Ah, my favorite, you know, chocolate mint ice cream. And I thought, oh, I'll have a little that. I'll have a little that. It always seems to give me heartburn. I mean, it got really bad when I first started this, and then it's kind of eased off. And it only comes occasionally now. I don't hardly take a prescription. But I started taking apple cider vinegar, well, capsules. I don't like anything sour. And I think that might be helping a little bit. Did you have reflux before fasting or is this something that developed afterwards? No, I had it before I was taking prescription twice a day for it. Oh, so now you're not taking that anymore? Not very often. So it has helped that. So that's something that it has really helped as well. And you can really kind of clue into what the foods are, like you said. That's something that's pretty magical about fasting. It really helps us to see the effects of certain foods. Like we can pinpoint them more easily. Yeah, I think I'm still trying to learn how to do that. I love pasta and I love bread, and but I've learned different things like, you know, cooking the pasta and then cooling it and reheating it. That's how I do anymore with pasta or rice. I make my own bread. My kids gave me a, a meal for grinding my wheat into flour. So I make my own bread and that seems to help. I can eat that without any issues. Now, when did you start doing that? When did you start making your own bread? Well, I've made my own bread occasionally, but just since I started fasting, that's the only bread we do eat. Unless we go out once in a while, I'll have a roll or something out when we're eating out. But we pretty much just, when we eat any bread, it's the homemade bread that I make. It's pretty amazing bread, isn't it? So you grind the whole grain flour. What kind do you like to use? I use the winter white. Okay. I haven't experimented with winter white. Maybe it's time to try. I've just always gotten the hard red and just used that. I tend to get in a rut. <laughs> I only make rolls. I only use the same kind because I'm like, well, it works. I might as well just keep doing it. Do you make loaves? I do make loaves. Uh huh. 
So, and then I just freeze those, which then I also was reading about if you freeze your bread and then eat it, it changes the composition of the bread too. So I'll make bread all one day and then freeze it and then pull it out when we need to use it. That seems to really work for us. Yeah, that's a great way to always have your fresh bread on hand. So if anybody's interested in getting into making your own bread, I have these resources on jenstevens.com. The first book that I really started on was Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day. Have you used that one, Juanita? Have you tried that technique? I haven't done that one, no. That was a great way to get started, and I wasn't milling my own flour at that point. I just used organic white flour, just regular flour. And it was a really easy way to learn how to make my own bread. So that would be highly recommended for people who are starting out. But if you really want to venture into the world of milling your own wheat, (laughs) like we do, (laughs) I have a whole blog post about it at jenstevens.com where I I went through all the steps that I use as I make my nightly bread. And I, I make rolls. We just make as many as we need each night for dinner. And so it's pretty easy. Yeah. I've always liked homemade bread. My husband does too. He prefers it. So, My family was kicking and screaming a little bit when I switched over from the white flour that I had been using and started milling the wheat because it's just so different, you know, and it's such a different character when you make the flour yourself because it has all the good parts still in it. Right. But now they've adjusted. In fact, I tried to go back to the other recipe because just, you know, as an experiment to see and they complained. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, you've adjusted to the the whole wheat. Yeah. When I first started baking this kind of bread, I blended some of the ground wheat flour and then the white flour just to kind of transition. But it's mostly the wheat flour now that I use. Yeah, you do have to change the way you do things because it has a different character than than a, a white flour that you might buy in the store. It's really, it's really different to work with, but you have to figure it out and tweak it over time. And you know, sometimes the batches are weird. The last batch I made turned out weird. You know, does that ever happen to you? It didn't rise very well. I don't know what I did. Well, I've had a couple of times that it didn't rise very well. And I realized that the yeast was about to the expiration. I'm sending my husband off to the store to... Oh, maybe I should check my yeast expiration date. Yeah. If it's close to expiring, it just won't. And you can tell because it doesn't get foamy. You know, when your yeast is good, it gets foamy and and stuff. But (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I had some kind of weird result. I don't know what it was, but I was ready for that batch to be finished. (laughs) Kind of like flatbread. (laughs) Yeah, it really was. And my husband's like, what's different about this? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) It's different. Sorry. <laughs> Adventures in baking. <laughs> I'm like, look, it's alive. This is alive. It's a live thing. You know, the yeast is alive. So it just had a bad day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like a bad hair day. Today was a bad yeast day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad that you're baking bread because that makes me so happy to hear people enjoying foods. But have your tastes in foods changed at all since you've been doing intermittent fasting? You started in, was it eight months ago? April. Okay. Oh, so you haven't been doing it long at all. No, about three and a half months. Wow. Okay. Three and a half months. Yeah. My tastes have changed. I find myself gravitating to healthier things. I'm still a very picky person. It's very interesting for me to look on the Facebook groups and see the varieties of things people are eating and thinking, oh, that looks good. And that look, but then I read the things that are in it. And, you know, some of them, I don't even know what they are. Right, right. 
and, and like I say, I'm so picky that that we kind of get in a rut of eating kind of the same types of things, but I don't like a lot of fresh vegetables and I'm not a big fan of a lot of cooked ones either. So my vegetable group is just kind of slight. I don't eat a lot of vegetables, which is challenging for me. My husband's a meat and potatoes guy, you know? Right. I know you've seen my posts about plated and I'm going to say that changed me so much. I've been a fan of plated way before they sponsored the podcast. I've been using them since 2016. And the number of foods that I eat now that are are not foods I would have chosen before, it's really just kind of astonishing. So if you like to cook, I might suggest try a couple of plated nights a week because they're very, you know, you can adjust. And this is really not a plated commercial. This is just really <laughs> my advice to you. You know, try a couple of nights a week and see if you like it. It's just amazing how it's opened up all of our eye and, you know, different foods from around the world. We're trying different things. We don't love every meal as much as we love the next. You know, some of them we, we are our favorites and we hope they come back. And some of them were like, well, that was interesting. It wasn't my favorite, but it, you know, I could tell it was healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can tell it's healthy because it didn't taste good. That's what I've always <laughs> Right. Right. Sometimes, but usually they taste fabulous, but Give it a try just to see, you know, just a suggestion. It really just helped me. I'll have to look into that. Because, you know, when I would try to go to the grocery store, I would always gravitate, like you said, to the same exact things. I would pick up zucchini and squash because I like that and it's easy. I, but I would pass by some of the more exotic vegetables because I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Maybe if, uh, like I say, when you show your food, tell us what it is in plain language. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know, because I'm learning things. I'm like, Bibby Map, what is that? <laughs> I read that, and I'm like, what even is that? I'm sure I won't like that, because I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I know, that's true. But then you're like, oh, okay, this is not weird at all. But one night, I actually described it. I can't, I can't remember the word, but I used the word that Plated had said, and then I went on to describe it as fried rice or whatever, and somebody was like, you know that that word means fried rice. So you just said you ate fried rice, fried rice. I'm like, well, no, I didn't know I said that because I didn't know what that word meant. <laughs> so I'm learning new things too. <laughs> it's good to know that other people, you know, don't recognize some of them, what they are either. I go to the freezer and I think, okay, we'll have a steak tonight. And then, well, okay, what can we have with that? You know, I like asparagus. We'll have that. We'll have a potato, you know, and it's kind of how we, how we eat. But I really, really enjoyed breakfast. That was my favorite meal of the day. And I always would have eggs and bacon and, you know, my toast. And so we do that a couple times a week for dinner. Yeah. I think my husband would like if I did that more often. He always enjoys having a good breakfast for dinner. Yeah, we do that quite often and really enjoy that. So I know that you said your daughter told you about IF and your husband now does it. Is your daughter still doing it? Is she active with intermittent fasting? And are there any other family members who have picked it up? She is active with it. She's not as dedicated to it as I even am now, but she does have a little family and it's, it's harder. I mean, she does try really hard, but her husband sort of attempts to do it, but I think they just need a little bit of time and then, then she'll get back into it. Right. It's, it's hard with little kids. Everything is hard with little kids. 
yeah, it is hard when you're trying to fix meals and not eat and, you know, and dealing with what kids are saying and, and stuff. It's hard to even, I, I'm glad I don't have to do that because mine are all grown. So, but I do have a daughter. My second oldest daughter is, she was on a different diet plan and she lost quite a bit of weight. And she's been doing this the same time we've been doing intermittent fasting, but it was quite expensive for her every month. And I don't know whether she, you know, just saw that I was eating what I wanted to eat <laughs> and she couldn't, she was really restricted on things she could eat, but she did switch over. She switched over the first part of July and she's been doing intermittent fasting. She said, I'm going to give it a month and see how it goes. And if I have to go back to the other one to lose the weight I want. And I said to her, just remember, and don't be discouraged if when you start intermittent fasting, you don't lose right away or you even gain a little. I said, don't, don't panic. So, but I think she's lost seven pounds this month. Wow. That is amazing. See, that's amazing for someone coming off of another diet plan because frequently when someone comes off of another diet plan, they do have that rebound weight gain just because the body is, you know, responding to that. So yeah. And she's gone right to one meal a day. And so she's doing really well. My oldest daughter, she just decided one day, at first she fought it because she said, my blood sugars will tank. I said, I'm diabetic and I'm doing it. And so she started doing it and she's been doing, she used to do the two meals a day, but she's got to where she'll have a snack a little earlier and then she eats her meal. So she doesn't eat with her kids in the morning. And my son-in-law has really noticed a change in me. And he says he's just got to do it because he said all the things they've tried and he's a tracker of everything and he tracks everything and he knows what their weight's been from years ago and all their, you know, numbers and, and everything. And he said something to me a few weeks ago. He said, you're amazing. He said, you are setting such an example for your children and your, you know, your family members because you've done it and you're showing great results. So I feel kind of proud and now I feel kind of a little bit of an obligation to make sure that I'm still setting that example, you know? Well, I get it. I totally get it because that's one of the reasons why way back in 2015, you know, when I started my first Facebook support group, it was really just to support myself. You know, I wanted to be in a group where I could, you know, have my friends who were also trying intermittent fasting and we could talk about, you know, our own, you know, what was going on. But it was really to help support me. But over time, you're right. The fact that I was, you know, kind of out in the front of this and an example to the people that came after me, I was like, well, well now I, I can't ever quit or <laughs> I have to keep this good example. So it's a, a good bit of positive pressure, right? To not give it up, throw in the towel. Which is kind of why I sent my story in and why I put my I'm not a picture taker. I've never liked my pictures, but when I put pictures on the Facebook group to show the difference in the three months I was doing it, mostly for accountability for me and for me to be able to see, because we live with ourselves every day. And so we don't see those changes that happen to our bodies because it's so gradual. But like I say, I came across this picture at my birthday party in March, and then I took a picture in July and I went, 
whoa, yeah, things are happening, <laughs> you know? I really, really think that's a good point. So I want to reiterate that for listeners. Take photos on day one. I mean, you might have photos, just, you know, casual photos from events in your life, but take some purposeful photos, like get an outfit that maybe is a little too tight now. Most of us have those sitting around somewhere and, you know, take photos that really show all the different angles and then repeat those photos maybe once a month from the same angles, wearing the same clothes. And then, you know, even if the scale is not telling the whole story, the way that you look in the clothes will. Right. So don't forget to take the photo. So yeah, that's a very good tip. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. How long have you been diagnosed with diabetes? For a couple of years, I kept arguing with my doctor, though, because the numbers to me were in the pre-diabetic range. I think when he diagnosed me, my A1C was 6.4. Okay. To me, that's in the pre-diabetic. And I've always stayed around that with taking the metformin. I've stayed, you know, above six, somewhere in there. But when I started intermittent fasting, I thought, well, you know, metformin isn't good for me. And maybe I can do this without taking. And so I kind of just took myself off of the metformin because I checked my blood sugars anyway. And I was checking several times a day to make sure I wasn't hurting myself by not taking the medication. Right. It's important to stay on track. Yeah. Right. So I was just checking that to make sure. And the numbers just slowly, my glucose, you know, numbers would just slowly come down. They've been just kind of coming down the whole three months. And when I went to the doctor just a week ago, I went to the doctor and had everything checked. And he's okay with me being off metformin. My A1C was to 6.1 instead of 6.7 that it was the last time. 
And that's pretty good for three months, right? Well, yeah, I was 6.7 in December when I went for my checkup. So now I'm down to 6.1 and he's okay with that. And he's totally on board with me doing the fasting, which made me really nervous when I had the appointment because I thought I'm going to go in there and he's going to say, you know what, I really don't want you doing that or you know, I don't want to be your doctor if you're going to do that. Or, Oh, yeah. But he was very, very supportive of it. And all my numbers are looking better than they were. He's, you know, we're doing a recheck of another visit in three months. So we can make sure that things are still going down. I said, well, my goal is to get off all these prescriptions. But he doesn't want me to get off all of them just yet. Right. He's monitoring to see. Well, and what he said was, the problem is going to be is when you stop intermittent fasting. And I said, well, I didn't intend to stop intermittent fasting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hoped that was the where this was going. Yeah. Well, because, you know, people, they lose the weight they want to lose and then they either go into maintenance or they just figure they've lost it. It'll stay off. So they, you know, quit doing anything. And that was his concern that I, when I stop and then my blood sugars will go back up. And I'm thinking, why would I do that? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, it is so interesting because I remember every diet I ever did, I couldn't wait to stop. And I usually would just quit over a weekend when I was faced with like delicious food at an event. And I was just like, all right, now I'm just going to eat this. I guess that diet's over. You know, <laughs> there's another one for the books that didn't work. But with intermittent fasting, it is not a diet. It's a lifestyle. And actually, that's one of my pet peeves whenever I see it written about. If they call it the intermittent fasting diet, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Right. It's really not. You know, your diet is what you eat. And we all eat different things. But intermittent fasting is a pattern of when you eat. So you're not doing an intermittent fasting diet. You're just living the intermittent fasting you know, pattern, the intermittent fasting lifestyle. So were you in the group when I asked people, I did a survey, I guess it was, no, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been. It was maybe February or March and you didn't start till April. I asked a survey in the, in the group, how do you view intermittent fasting? And the choices were, you know, whether it was your forever lifestyle or whether you were just going to do it until you got to your goal and then you were going to stop. And like 90 something, I can't remember off the top of my head, 96% of the people said it was their forever lifestyle. Yeah. The thought of going back, trying to eat food all day long just terrifies me. I just, I think, oh, I can't even to think, well, maybe today I'll do two meals. You know, I'll have a meal here and then I'll have a meal there. My body just doesn't want it. And we do a lot of RVing and camping with family. And of course, they know that I'm doing this. And so they know that I just don't have breakfast. But there's times that I think, well, maybe I'll just break my fast at, you know, noon and I'll eat with them and then I'll eat dinner. And I I end up waiting till three o'clock and just coming out with a little snack and eating it and then having dinner. It's almost like I can't make myself eat two meals a day anymore. I think about, well, Thanksgiving, could I eat two meals a day there or, you know, eat here and then eat later? I just don't think I could. Because you've gotten used to the way it feels to not eat all day and you feel so good. You don't want to risk that, right? Right. And I feel that light feeling like, you you know, you're just not bogged down with food. And I just like the way I feel all in general when I'm fasting. And I think that is what really convinces us that it's a lifestyle and not just something we're doing temporarily, especially, you know, if you do take a day where you have three meals even, you know, on a vacation, 
um, by the end of the day, you're like, oh, <laughs> how did I used to live this way? That's when you're like, okay, now I really understand how much better I feel when I'm doing intermittent fasting. It's the contrast between, you know, the overdo it day and your normal day. You just really don't want to feel like that again. Yeah. And I think at least for the first little while, and I've done the weighing every day and I've done the weekly average because I just had this thing about, I'm not going to know this is really going to work for me until I've lost enough weight. Like right now I weigh less than I've weighed in the last 30s. I haven't weighed this weight for at least over 30 years. Wow. I know that feels fabulous. And so I'm to that point, and I said to my daughter, I made this little sheet. My husband and I use it, you know, and it keeps our daily and then we weekly average and all that. And when I dropped down, I think my lowest in the last 30 years has been 188, and I went to 185. And I thought, okay, I'm not obsessed with the scale. And I can see how people are can get obsessed with that scale. It's just kind of a it gives you that sense of, okay, things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, you get those ones that grow up, and if you panic, which so, there would be a time I'd step on and go, oh, my gosh, where did I get that weight from, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I had to tell my mind, okay, don't don't pay attention to that. Just keep going, you know. But once I reached that weight where I thought, okay, this is the lowest I've been in over 30 years, the scale really isn't that important to me anymore. And I told my daughter, I'm going to finish out my little paper. I have this week to do it. And then I'm really just going to try and weigh maybe every couple of weeks, once a month, just to see if, make sure things are still just moving in downward trend. I'm not obsessed with it, but I can see how people can be. That's the diet mentality. My daughter, who's lost quite a bit of weight on it, she still weighs herself every time she passes the scale. Oh, I remember doing that. I've had those moments in my life where I would get on the scale first thing in the morning, then go about my day. Then I'd get on it later to see what it was doing then. And then, <laughs> yeah, I get it. But, you know, I used to the scale. People, you know, unless they've read Delay, Don't Deny, or currently I threw my scale away, I don't weigh. So you might have the the misconception that I think no one should ever weigh. And that couldn't be farther from the truth because I used the scale as I lost my weight. And I used it for the entire first year of maintenance just to make sure that I was, you know, staying where I needed to stay. And it was only once I got to that point and I started to define myself wanting to react to the, the fluctuations that are normal. But when it would go up, I would say, okay, now today I'm just really going to need to fast extra long. And I'm like, wait a minute. No. You know, this is starting to get into disordered kind of thinking. So I just put the scale up on the shelf at that point, that was before I threw it away. <laughs> and then I didn't weigh again for maybe 14 months. I didn't weigh at all. Then one day I was feeling extra skinny. And so I was like, I'm going to weigh. And it's been 14 months and my weight's going to be so much lower because I'm wearing, you know, smaller clothes. And I got on and my weight wasn't much lower. And that's when I got so mad that I threw it away. <laughs> I'm like, scale, you no longer have power over me. And it actually felt very freeing to know that now all I have to do is pay attention to how my clothes feel, put on my honesty shorts <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> that are a little, little tight. And I'm like, okay, they're a little tight. Maybe I'll just won't drink very much wine this week. And, you know, and that helps just keeping an eye on it that way. But I do think it's important to have something that you're keeping your eye on. 
Right. Because I think just that accountability that as long as you don't let it send you into total panic. Exactly. Well, you know, because just like you couldn't tell until you saw those photos how much you had changed as you're losing the weight, I think it happens the other way too. Unless you have a way of knowing, you could slowly put weight on and not know it. You know, like if your clothes are all stretchy or if if you're not weighing. So, you know, I'll often use a tape measure also. Like I have a waist measurement. I'll keep my eye on that and that, that helps me stay on track. So you talked about a lot of members of your family that are doing intermittent fasting. Have any of your friends started doing it? You said that you tell them, the ones that you go RVing with, what do they think? Well, my one sister-in-law attempted it. She has your book. I gave her my copy of your book. She read it. She said she tried it, but she said she got constipation so bad and such pain. And I tried to give her some ideas of it, but she says when she goes back to regular eating, she's regular and she just feels better not doing it. So, but you know, I keep thinking a lot of people are watching me. You know, I have a lot of friends that have said, oh, I need to come and sit down and talk to you about that. So they're all watching it. And it, it's funny. I think you reach a certain point. I don't know what's the magic number. All of a sudden, everybody I run into notices, you know, what are you doing? You're skinny. You've lost a lot of weight. Of course, I don't feel I'm to that point yet, but I certainly am a lot thinner than I was. And then when I ask, and I think I put on the Facebook group that I had talked to one of my sisters about what I was doing and totally, she totally misunderstood. But I think <laughs> because she was spreading the word that I was on this starvation diet. So I went to a baby shower and I had a sister-in-law. She says, you look really good. I heard you were on that starvation diet. Um, sisters, bless them. <laughs> And I just said, well, no, I actually eat quite a bit when I eat. Right. (laughs) She says, well, we're doing the whole low calorie thing and well, we're losing it. So (laughs) I'm like, that works for us. And I thought, okay. When you're ready to stop doing the low calorie thing, let me know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hard, but people do not understand always when they first hear it. But you are the walking billboard. So expect that. I mean, you've only been doing it for such a short time. So expect that the longer you not only keep the weight off, because, you know, that's what people are looking for. You know, for me, I had done crazy diet schemes in the past, which I talk about, of course, in my book. And I had lost the weight before, and then I had gained the weight back, and then I had lost again, then I gained it back. So everyone that knew me had watched me yo-yo, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. So finally, when I committed to intermittent fasting, it became my lifestyle. I was no longer carrying bags of chicken and boiled eggs to a restaurant with my teacher friends, which I had done before (laughs) on a crazy diet. They're like, oh, Jen's got her boiled eggs and her chicken, you know, but once they saw, oh, she's not yo-yoing and oh, she's not carrying her food around and oh, maybe this does work. That's when people started to ask questions and then started to try it. And that's when you really are going to find people around you just doing it. Mm -hmm. The proof is in the pudding, right? Right. Which is, makes me accountable because now I think you've got to do this forever because you're being watched. (laughs) Well, you know, I get it. Like I said, I get it. (laughs) Which is not a bad thing either. You know, if I know they're out there watching, it's like, I'll show you guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, there's that layer of accountability. 
And so when you go back to your doctor, I really can't wait to see. You said your next appointment's in three months from now? Yeah, I'll go back in October. Well, definitely let me know how that goes, the follow-up, because I want to hear what he has to say as well. Did he sound like he was familiar with the science of intermittent fasting enough that he's like, yeah, that's super healthy, or he was just open to it? Which was he? I said to him, I said, just so you're aware, I've been intermittent fasting. He says, oh, that's great. He says, I have no problem with you doing that at all. So he knew what it was, but he was, you know, totally on board with me doing it. Other than the fact that he was concerned that when I go off of it, I think he thinks that I'm just doing it till I lose the weight I want. And then I'll go back to what I was doing before, which I don't think I could ever go back to doing what I was doing before. So, Oh, exactly. That's the power of it. And so he'll be watching you. He'll see all the changes in your your health markers that'll continue. So I love for us to show these things to our doctors as well. Yeah. So they can learn from our experiences. And then he'll probably start telling his other patients about it too. (laughs) Well, I would hope so. Yeah. So you've had an improvement in your A1C less arthritis pain, anything else? You know, we talked a little bit about the reflux that that seems to be better. Any other health improvements? Well, my skin is a lot softer. I know I'm getting stronger nails. I guess my blood sugar's down. My cholesterol and thyroid numbers are improving. The skin is tightening. I mean, I, I was showing my girls the other day, I said my arms were losing, you know, and it's not the upper arm. It was the lower arm that I was having this real long hanging thing. And that has improved. Now I have what I call lizard skin. My mother had lizard skin. (laughs) If it uh, helps that, that would be really great. But you know, it might just be your skin. It just might be my skin. And I told my girls, I said, now if autophagy gets rid of my little beard, you know, and chin hairs, I'm in it for life. I don't care what it does. (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. (laughs) I don't have that issue. Well, I shouldn't say that because I guess as we get older, things could happen. I just turned 50, so I don't have any chin hair, so I'll probably start growing them tomorrow. <laughs> now that I've said that, I don't. Gosh, I started after my last baby, so. Okay. And she's 30-some years old now. Okay, so you've had it for a while then. I've had it for a while, and, you know, I don't know if my hormones are all messed up because I've had a hysterectomy, and I don't have ovaries and, that, you know, that anymore, so. But that happened in 2007, so. Well, I would be interested to know. So fingers crossed that the hair on your chin will, will go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be shouting from the rooftops. I bet I could get a lot of people to start doing intermittent fasting only for that benefit. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, we hear so many unusual positive changes that, you know, if I were to put in a book, it would sound fake and made up you know, some of the things people experience. They're like, no, intermittent fasting can't possibly do that for you. But, you know, we hear so many people report the same things, like eyesight getting better. Right. That'll be interesting to see in October when I go, (laughs) didn't it? (laughs) Well, I'm not holding my breath, but. My eyesight has not gotten better, but we hear it from a lot of people, so many people that it can't just be a fluke. (laughs) It probably has something to do with, you know, inflammation and pressure, I don't really know how that all works, but I can imagine if some of your eyesight problems are caused by, you know, it would relieve that. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of things to look forward to. And as I read things on the Facebook group, I think, man, maybe I have that to look forward to or, 
you know, that things are happening with people. And it, and that's what I had to tell myself is, look at all these people and they're from all over the world. They're all different sizes and whether you're small or large or whatever, it's working for so many people that why would I think that it can't work for me? You know, I've really had to get over that hang up that this may be, and I keep waiting for the shoe to drop, you know, and go, that you're done. This isn't working for you, you know? This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. We also have to change our definition of working sometimes because it might be working on something that you need working on behind the scenes that you didn't even know that you needed for it to work on and maybe you can't physically see it. So you might think if the only metric someone is going by is the scale weight, you know, they may think intermittent fasting isn't quote working when really it's, you know, causing your A1C to go down or now your inflammation is lower. And so you may have to do some tweaking to see the weight loss come to fruition, but that doesn't mean intermittent fasting isn't working because it does so much more than just, you know, cause you to burn fat. <laughs> Although we don't, we're not mad about that. We, we like that benefit. <laughs> we like that. Yeah. Yeah. We do like that. <laughs> we do. We do like that benefit. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a coffee drinker or tea drinker and I don't, you know, drink alcohol or anything. So when I'm fasting, it's just water. Just water. Yeah. Well, that is probably your blessing right there because you didn't have to have the whole what am I going to drink? How am I going to manage this coffee? Because really that is the stumbling block for so many people, just how they're going to do their coffee and how they're going to have their tea. Because, you know, black coffee, plain tea is just not what most people are used to drinking. But since you didn't have to overcome that hurdle, that probably helped with the adjustment. Well, yeah. And I kind of think probably it did. I have, you know, some kids that drink coffee and I I think, oh, how could you drink that black <laughs> Because <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> I don't know if my daughter actually drinks hers black or if she just doesn't drink coffee till she opens her window and then she does it with the cream. I don't I don't think she can really drink hers black, but I thought I couldn't and then I did and then what's amazing is ever since I've been adjusted to the black coffee, I don't like it any other way. 
So that's what's weird to me because I used to always sweeten it so much. And so I've really adapted to it. Well, I think things naturally start tasting sweeter when we don't eat a lot of sugar. That's true. And I know I can't eat a, a ton of, I can still eat carbs and I still have dessert, but this seems to be the overly processed, really, really sweet, like candy bars and candy and, you know, cake mixes and donuts, those kind of things get me as far as making me feel crappy or the acid reflux starts acting up again. And so I kind of know that, yeah, you can still have, I can get by with ice cream as long as it's not mint chocolate chip. I can usually eat some ice cream. I've really taken a liking to butter pecan. Oh, yum. That's one of my favorite flavors. And cheesecake. I can eat cheesecake. You know, to go to a nice place and they give you a piece of cheesecake. That doesn't seem to bother me. But these overly processed things. You sound a lot like me. The ice creams work well for me. Yeah. I just had my birthday and my husband came home from the grocery store with a grocery store carrot cake with the cream cheese frosting. Oh, uh uh-huh. And there would have been a time that I was like, well, this is delicious. But, oh, that frosting tasted so bad. (laughs) Oh, I'll bet it was just made you sick. I was like scraping off. Oh, it was awful. The cake itself wasn't too bad. But of course, I wasn't like this cake. This is disgusting because it was for my birthday. So I just scraped it off and smiled. And <laughs> But it, it, it just reminds us of how much our tastes do change. Right. Because I never met a, a cream cheese frosting I didn't like, you know, before. But now it just tasted so ugh. And way too sweet. I was like, wish I'd have made myself a cake. I should have made my own cake. I really should have. <laughs> Maybe next year. Yeah, because I make a mean carrot cake. Yeah, me too. And, you know, if you just put a thin layer on there of the cream cheese frosting, that would be yummy. Yeah, I love cream cheese. I haven't ventured into doing any of that, but maybe when birthdays come around, we'll (laughs) experiment with that. Now, we are almost out of time. So I like to end by asking, you know, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? What advice would you give? Or is there anything you wish you had known at the beginning that you know now? Well, I think maybe what I would say to people, especially because I'm an older person, we tend to think that this is just our life now. We're going to put on the fluff and we're going to, you know, get the gray hair and we're going to be tired and we're going to want to just sit around and... So I think for me, if people in my age group can know that this really does, it can make a difference. And I questioned and I was skeptical, but I went into it thinking, I'm going to try it and I'm going to see what happens. And any little changes just made me feel like, okay, I can do this a little more. I can do it a little more. And so people in my age group that think we think we're just kind of done. You know, like I told my kids, when I get bad enough, just throw me in the tar pit, you know, and be done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I almost look forward to things in the future. I can kind of run around with my grandkids and I can do things that I didn't have the energy to do before. I just would sit around and not do anything. And I'm up, I can get down and pick something up off the floor. I can do those things. So I think just knowing that it doesn't matter what your age is and that we're not just over the hill and heading down fast into the, the grave. We're not destined to have these problems, right? That's right. We're not destined to this and things can get better and they can improve. I just th- kept thinking, well, here's another pill. 
here's another pill. I got to go to the drugstore and get a bigger box to store these pills in every day that I take. And I just didn't want to live that way and, and that you don't have to. And this has made a, such a difference to me. And, and if I'm setting a good example for my kids or friends, that just makes me all the more proud that I can do it and that I can show them that it can be done. So I would just say, just don't give up. Just keep hanging in there and and working on it and be happy for all the little things that you notice and they'll turn into big things one day. And pay attention to those. Yeah. Pay attention to all the different changes. And and that's when you'll know that it's working for you. Well, Juanita, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. You're welcome. I'm glad I could hopefully help somebody. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.